We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sam Monk, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Man, something's happening in Dunedin. This is the place to be on a Sunday night. All right. All right, if you got your Bible, let's go to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, let's jump there. Uh, how many know there's something energizing about progress? There's nothing worse than expending a whole lot of energy and effort and not getting any results. You know what I'm talking about. You go to the gym, you do a whole lot, but you still look the same. You know, it's like, we want some results. How many like getting results? I, I love the fact that God doesn't just put us carrot in front of us and promise change without change occurring in our lives. Uh, there's nothing worse uh, cleaning up and then within one hour to have uh, your apartment, your place, your home, go back to the same mess it was in before you started cleaning. And, you know, for those who've got young kids know what I'm talking about. And sometimes it can be very demoralizing when you don't progress. In fact, you go, oh, why clean in the first place? You know, why, why bother? Um, I love the fact that the kingdom of God is always advancing. It's always moving forward. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. I want to declare today that God's got more for you. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or two days, uh, there's more. The problem in many regards is we, we stand at the bottom of the waterfall of God. God's like a waterfall, never ending. You know, if you ever visited the Hooker Falls in the North Island, you know, there's a huge volume of water going between two crevices, and it's amazing. You go, go there, and you're, you're astounded by how much is coming, how much water is flowing over the edge of, of that crevice, and you think, that's, that's incredible. But you visit years later, and it's, like, it's not like it's diminished. That same volume is coming over that waterfall. But the problem is we sit at the bottom or stand at the bottom with our little cup, and we say, God, fill our cup. And sure enough, God fills our cup. You know, we get off drugs. God changes us. Whatever happens, you know, we're set free. But the problem is we don't go back for more. Uh, what we need to do is get a bigger container. Uh, you know, get a bucket. Get a wheelbarrow. Get a truck. I don't know. Back up that truck. Because <laughs> there's enough water to fill that truck. There's, there's enough water to fill any void or vacancy in your life. And I want to declare we serve a God who's more than enough. He's El Shaddai, not El Shaddai. He's not asleep to your problems. He's a God of plenty, the God of much more. And as a church, I believe God's got more for us. You know, I'm grateful for what he's done, you know, through equippers in New Zealand. You think right around New Zealand, five o'clock, many people are, are joining together and lifting up Jesus. Yeah, you think right now in the, United, in the UK, great to have Austin and Brigitte who were in our church in the UK for how many years? 14 years in, in the UK and a significant part of the leadership team there. 14 years they were there, but they're just waking up in the morning getting ready for church on the other side of the planet. You know, people in Berlin, in Italy, in Switzerland. Yeah, we've got people right now in the Philippines. Do you know, our Filipino church celebrated their third birthday just a couple of weeks back, and they had 1,142 in church. Come on, can we give God a big clap of praise? 1,142 
in three years, you know, coming around, you know, God's working, God's moving. And uh, I love the fact that it's just the beginning of what God's going to release. How many believe that? And uh, I believe, you know, when it comes to church, church is like a greenhouse. You know, a greenhouse is a place where you control the light and the temperature so, so that the seeds that are planted in it grow quickly. And, and church is like a greenhouse where, where if we plant the right seeds, you can grow quickly. Uh, As I said this morning, I really believe God's about to put the pedal to the middle. He's about to put the accelerator down. Some of you, it's almost like, oh man, I don't feel like anything's happening. But it's almost like what God's been working on, what God's been establishing is going to come to the surface and there's going to be a quick acceleration. How many believe that? Come on, I really believe we're going to see buildings like this full and overflowing. Uh, The thing is, you know, if you're not growing, you've probably stopped coming. Because the music and the lights aren't enough to keep you here. In fact, I often say, you know, power may draw you, but it's purpose that will keep you. And many people today in the kingdom of God are power junkies. They're going from one place to another place looking for a power fix to their problems. But in the end, they don't realize that power is actually attached to purpose. You know, in fact, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive what well, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, so the power is always for a purpose. And I believe God is maturing the church to a place where it understands what it's called to, what the purpose of the power is. Tonight I want to preach a message. And uh, then at the end of this message, we're going to pray for a whole lot of people. But the title of my message is, I'm a big kid now. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a big kid now. I'm a big kid now. Mommy, wow. I'm a big kid. <laughs> if, you, if you remember that, how many remember that ad? ad. Uh, it was an ad for what? It was an ad for? For pull-ups. Not just nappies, but for pull-ups. Now, pull-ups are all about the transition from nappies to underwear. Now, if you've ever toilet trained your child, you know it's a messy season. It's not a nice season. It's where a kid is learning to deal with its own mess. Own mess. It's that transitionary season from nappies to underwear. You know, I really believe some of us are going to make that transition tonight. Because we're going to get to a place when we're going to learn to deal with our own crap. We're going to learn to come before God and have a personal experience with Him that will change our life forever. One thing I learned about faith is faith is not contagious. It's not contagious. You can't catch faith. Faith comes via a personal experience or an encounter with Jesus. You know, somebody next to you can have the encounter and you can miss it. But here's the deal. If you miss today's encounter, you'll be unprepared for tomorrow's battle. Can I say that again? If you miss today's encounter, you'll be unprepared for tomorrow's battle. 
That's why many people fall. That's why many people get stuck. That's why many people in the end, you know, never take hold of what God has for their life is because they don't realize the power of encountering God. We, and we not, need to not just have one encounter, but we need to encounter Him over and over again. There's so many people sitting in church and they've had one encounter with God. They gave their heart to Jesus and they got now a ticket to eternity, but they leave it there. And their hearts aren't hungry to keep on encountering God. In fact, John Maxwell said many people today in church, they may have been in church for 20 years, but in reality, they've had one year of church 20 times over. They've just had the same thing every week. And, and they haven't had a fresh encounter with God. They think they're mature, but really still they're the age of a one-year-old. And they haven't grown up. I really believe God is positioning the church in a place where it's gonna bring about maturity. Because sadly over the years, you know, we've had a lot of things done in the name of Jesus. There's just a whole lot of adults throwing their toys out of the cot. But it's time to grow up. Come on, we're big kids now. Now, now in life, there's two people that we've got to deal with. There's two people who live on the inside of us. There's our real self and there's our projected self. Our real self is who we really are. It's the person we go to sleep with at night, the one we lay our head on the pillow with and the feelings. That's who we really are. And then there's our projected self. That's the person we want other people to think who we are. That, 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 that. Two people. Now, how, how many people in this place love compliments? Uh, lift up your hand. If you don't, lift up, if you're not lifting your hand, it's because you're lying. <laughs> we all like to be encouraged. Yeah, everybody likes to be encouraged. Uh, but how many know encouragement is short-lived? It's not long before after you get one compliment, you're fishing for another. It's like, how many likes can I get? You know, it's how many likes. I wonder if this photo will attract the most likes. And, and, and we're fishing because compliments I've found in life are short-lived. Uh, they go quickly before, hey, I need another compliment. And not only are you looking just for any old compliment, sometimes we're looking for compliments from certain people. That's why we scroll through our likes and we think, did that person like it? And, and we like compliments, but you can't live off compliments. How, how many know that compliments are short-lived, but criticisms last a long time? In fact, somebody can say two words to you just in a bypassing statement, and you can have those two words reverberate around in your mind for a long time. Uh, those two words or that sentence can keep you up at night. And it's like criticisms can, can really hold us back. You know, some years ago, I had the privilege of sitting with Reinhard Bonnke in a room. How many know who Reinhard Bonnke is? He's a phenomenal man of God who's changed a continent. Literally had an impact on a continent. See millions upon millions of people saved. And, that, and he said, said, he was talking to us and one guy asked, and he said, how do you deal with criticism? And he said, well, I'm immune to the criticisms of man because I'm immune to the praises of man. And he said, you can't be immune to the criticisms 
unless you're immune to the praises. See, I wonder how much of our lives are lived by criticisms or by compliments. You know, whether we're we're hindered by one or whether we're fueled by another. But I want to declare it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. See, often the problem is we're little people trying to make it in a big person's world. I want to declare, in God, there's some things that you have to get by yourself. There's some things that have to come to you by revelation. And there's some things you only can get through an encounter with Jesus. You can't borrow the person next to you's faith. You've got to get your own faith. You've got to form your own convictions. You've got to know what you believe. See, if you don't know what you believe, you'll be tossed to and fro. Yeah, you're, 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 you'll be subject to every doctrine out there. You'll be subject to popular opinion. I love the fact that at Equipage Church, we don't tell people what to think. We do teach people how to think. I love my daughter. Even she, she's 14. She's got a revelation of that. In fact, she went to get baptized. And, and uh, it just happened to be on a date where I was speaking somewhere else. And I said to her, hey, do you mind postponing your baptism so, so I can be there? You know, I really like to be at your baptism. How many know a parent wants to be at their child's baptism? You know, I wants to be there and I wanted to be there. Can you postpone it? And she says, no, Dad, I'm not doing it for you. How many know I had no argument to that? Yeah, and I'm glad she's not borrowing her parents' faith. She's got her own faith and she's got her own conviction. See, in many places, the church doesn't go forward because we're borrowing something from somebody else. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Here's the thought, what you don't come with, you have to borrow from somebody else. You've got to get something for yourself. You've got to get it. Yeah. How many know when it comes to you know, going on a long walk with little children, you never pick them up early? Because if you pick them up early, you're going to be carrying them the whole way. Yeah, you, you, you leave it as long as you can, and just at the end, you begin to pick them up. At the end, what we've done in many places in the church is we've picked up too many people too early. And it's time that people stood on their own two feet, got their own faith, their own conviction. Come on, you can't borrow what the pastor said. That that has no power. See, the devil will always attack secondhand revelation. Oh, the pastor said that. You know, I heard, no, no, you've got to get it in you. And if it's not in you, it can be taken from you. And this is why as a church, for us to go to new levels, we've got to come to new levels of faith ourselves. We've got to have fresh encounters with God. You know, here's the problem though, is many of us stay as little children. We, we stay, we live in this one up, one down relationship. With people. See, we grow up in a world where we have parents and our parents oversee us, but there comes an age where, where we've got to, we form our own conclusions. In fact, I've listened to my father give parenting advice, and he's often said to parents who've got teenagers who are just running loose, he'd say, After the age of 14, your job's done. 
You see, your 14 year olds got their own mind. Yeah, it's done. After 14, as a parent, the best thing you can do is pray. Yeah, at the age of 16, how many know you're an adult? How many are over the age of 16 right now? Yeah, I want to say you're the boss of your life. You're not a child. Tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to do some spiritual adulting. I know that's not popular, but it's important because you'll do emotional and psychological damage if you grow up in age but still remain immature in spirit. Come on, come on, I want to help you today. There's benefits from becoming an adult, from growing up in the Spirit, from taking responsibility for your life. And the whole thing of the kingdom is that, that when we're in the kingdom, God gives us the power to choose. He, he gives us the power to author our life. He gives us what is called authority. Uh, the Bible says all authority on heaven and earth was given to Jesus, and then He gives it to us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got authority. You've got authority in Jesus to author your world. Come on, if you don't like the script of your life, rewrite it. Change it. You have the power to determine your life. But sadly, many people today don't understand they've got choice and they live their lives as victims. They live their lives as victims of their past. But today, many people understand what they're being saved from. I've been saved from this life, but still many believers don't understand what they're saved to. And part of growing up with and understanding what authority you got is, is all about taking hold of your purpose and your destiny and God's promise for your life. Come on, we've been given authority. And in fact, Paul says this in Galatians chapter 4, and you can look it up later. He said, while you remain a child, you're no different than a slave. Being a slave is not a good thing because somebody is over you. Somebody has the power to determine your life. So why you remain a child, you're no different than a slave, even though you're an heir, not an heir, but you're an inheritor, you're co-heirs with Christ. So you have this amazing thing, but why you remain immature, you can never apprehend it. You can never lay hold of it. That's why as believers in Jesus, it's important that we grow. See, 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 becoming an adult is moving out of a one-up, one-down relationship. Right now, in your life, who do you defer your decisions to? Who do you look to to make decisions for you? Could it be some of us are in one-up, one-down relationships and those relationships are actually hindering our progress? See, part of becoming an adult is, is you no longer seeing yourself as a child, but you seeing yourself as a peer with other adults. Come on, I'm talking to the 16-year-olds here. You're not a child any longer. See, we've got to function in the image of how God created us. You know, this is why growing up can be so difficult. See, if we stay a child in our adult years, we do a lot of damage. 
Yeah, yeah, we start from a position of being one up, one down. But there's a time where we've got to grow up. Everybody say grow up. Content you never say, I'm a big kid now. See, see what adulting is, it's the process of taking on more. Taking on more responsibility. How, how many know as a primary school kid, you just were told where to go, where to sit, what to do, who to hold hands with, who to dance with? You know, everything. You were told and you had to do it. As you went to intermediate, you got a few more choices. You went to high school, you get to, got to choose some subjects. You got a level of independence. I don't like math. I'm out of there. I'm choosing something else. I'm going to choose art. I'm going to choose, you know, a whole lot of different other subjects. P.E. and G. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to choose. You got to choose. Now, but still there was a role taken. But the more you grow up, the more autonomy you got. You go to university, you got to choose all of your subjects. And at university, there was no role taken. In fact, your lecturers didn't even care if you turned up or not. At high school, if you didn't show up, you get detentions. But at university, you pay your fees, and if you don't show up, it's your problem. But you understand you're growing up now. If you don't show up, you're going to have to take then responsibility for the results a little later on. So adulting is realizing, hey, I've got choice, but with those choices become consequences. Yeah, hey, I'm free to drink. I'm free to go out and have a beer. But guess what? I'm free not to as well. See, a lot of people have to have something to drink to feel good about themselves. That Yeah, you're free too, but you've got to understand if you keep on choosing those things, eventually that choice will be taken away from you. It's like this. God gives us a menu. And I like good, but if you're going to order fries on that menu every time, in the end, it's going to do damage to your body. And you're going to have to live with the consequences that are now outworked in your health. But you choose. You know, so many people, you know, walk into a room and, and you go, what are you watching? And they go, oh, it was just on. <laughs> I don't know, it was just on. <laughs> you got the remote. If you don't like what's on, change the flipping channel. We've got authority and power to choose. Come on, isn't that so liberating that you can choose your future? You can determine it. You've got the power of God living on the inside of you. You don't need to be a victim of past circumstance. Don't need to be a victim of what happened to you. Just because it happened to you doesn't mean you have to become it. Come on, God wants you to be free. Now, I love growing up in my dad's home. In fact, at a young age, we're encouraged to have discussions, which is another word for arguments. But they helped us form our own opinions. My father didn't want us just to say yes, but I on the inside go, no. I mean, no, you say, hey, meet us there. And then somebody, I'll see you there. But they have no intention of being there. Come on, how many have got some friends like that? You know, in fact, I had one guy at university goes, hey, you want to go to the movies? And I go, yeah, man, let's go. He go, have a good time. <laughs> it was like a setup right there. But, you know, so many people today, even in church, can nod their head 
but not even own where they're really at. They're going like this, but on the inside they're going, uh, uh. yeah, it's like, yes, but uh, no, yeah, no. It's like you've got to own your convictions. You've got to own your beliefs. And I believe we grow and we mature as, a, as believers when we know what we believe. See, God's designed in the kingdom that we're all siblings. Well, brothers, we don't have somebody over us other than God. You know, I often say at church, you know, I'm not over you. Yeah, I steward the vision that God's given us. But in the end, the vision's the boss. I'm not the boss. Stop deferring to me. So many people, oh, you're the pastor. Tell me what to do. I said, no, figure it out yourself. You need to go to God. I've got enough headaches in my, just my life. You know, I've got my own stuff to sort out, let alone yours. But so many people are just deferring their destiny to another person. Come on, I want to show you in Matthew 23 how this is outworked. Because Jesus calls us out of these one up, one down relationships. Matthew 23, it says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful, everybody say be careful, to do everything they tell you to do. Who's they? The Pharisees. This is Jesus. He's saying, do what the Pharisees tell you to do. Some of you think that's strange. Yeah, well, let's go on. But do not do what they do because they do not practice what they preach. So many people say, I'm not going to do it because they don't do it. Well, Jesus said, actually do it, even though they don't do it. Just there, sila. Think about that. <laughs> they tie heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them. Let's jump down to verse five. And the reason why they do this is because everything they do is for people to see. That's the reason they do what they do. That's my phone there. You can turn that off. Okay. Let's jump down to verse seven. It says. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have, everybody say this, one teacher. Yeah, you have one teacher and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father for you have one father. One father. And he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. Isn't this interesting? Uh, what's Jesus doing? He's calling us out of one up, one down relationships. Don't see other people as fathers. You know, so many people today are looking for dad when they're old enough to be a dad themselves. Now, some of us realize we've got legal responsibility for our age at the age of 16, 18. You have to own your actions, but still many people spiritually aren't taking responsibility for their life. You have the power to determine your life. You have the power to determine your future. Stop looking for dad. Some of us here are old enough to be a dad or mum. See, what Jesus is doing is He's calling us to the mutual equality of believers. 
Now, he's not doing away with the offices and the responsibilities people hold because we're to honour that. But he's saying, hey, we're all equal. We're all brothers and sisters here. We're all on this journey together. See, people who believe others are above them are still relating from a child's position of being under a person rather than under God. And this is huge because this makes a big difference in how you follow God and whether you can follow God on whether you're seeking God's approval or you're looking to, for another person's approval. Again, there's two selves. There's our real self and there's our projected self. I wanna challenge you tonight. Until you bring your real self to the table, nothing will change. You may change the surface, but nothing will change on the inside. Come on, how many here have ever fallen into the trap of pleasing people? Uh, come on, lift up your hand. I think everybody in this place. Yeah, you know, we're all in danger of pleasing people. And Proverbs says, the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap and it holds you. And here's the deal. People who are stuck trying to please people can't change their lives and live as God commands. Uh, let's, let's see, John chapter 12. Come on, I'm gonna give you some scripture here tonight because I don't want it just to be my thoughts. My thoughts can't change your life, but God's Word can. That's why we're a Bible-believing church. Come on, you gotta find this out for yourself. Some of you, you've listened to too much stuff on social media but you haven't gone to the Bible for yourself. And you, you listen to what your friend thinks, what your neighbour thinks, but you've got to get it for yourself. Come on, as I said, we're not teach, telling you what to think, but we want to teach you how to think in this place. Here we go, John chapter 12, verse 42. It says, yet at the same time, even among the leaders, they believed in Him. So the leaders of that day's society, they, they believed in Him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for they fear they would put, be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. They love human praise. Here's the deal. If you're not prepared to openly acknowledge your faith, could it be you're stuck in a place where you love human praise? More than praise from God. Oh, what did you get up to during the weekend? Oh, I just hung out with some friends. You won't even say you went to church. You won't even share. Yeah, here, these people, they wouldn't openly acknowledge your faith because they feared the people in the day and they loved what other people thought about them more than what God thought about them. Here's the deal. As Joyce Meyer would say, she'd say, if, if you're gonna try and please people, you'll never please God. But if you please God, in the end, you'll please people. Too many people are trying to please people rather than please God. And they hide their faith. They keep it a secret. But if you don't acknowledge Jesus before men, Jesus himself said, he will not acknowledge you before the Father in heaven. I wanna ask, whose opinion matters in your life? Who's the audience in your life that you're seeking approval from? Where are you looking for compliments from? You know, what criticisms go into you and, and stop you moving forward? 
You know, compare this, how Jesus lived. In Mark chapter 12, verse 14, they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. So Jesus was known as a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. How many know there's a big difference here? Jesus didn't fear men. Neither did he look for their approval. He spoke the truth and he left it to them to figure it out. He wasn't trying to win over the crowd. You know, as a church, we're not here to win over the crowd. We're just here to follow what God has put in front of us. And I believe when you honour God, God honours you. In the end, he was saying, your response is your responsibility. I'm not looking for a response tonight. But I really believe this is important if we're to progress. In fact, Jesus implied that we're doing something wrong if everyone likes us. You, know, you look, Luke 6, 26, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that's how their ancestors treated the false prophets. In other words, you know, they just told people what they wanted to hear. I mean, no, if your fly's undone, you don't want to be told you look good. You know, we all like hearing, man, you look amazing. You look, but if your fly's undone, a good friend will tell you the truth. You know, if you've got cabbage stuck in your teeth. You know, you know if somebody speaks to you all, all night, you go home and you look in the mirror and you go, man, how long was this there? And nobody said anything. Nobody was loving enough to tell me the truth. You know, nobody was there. You know, sometimes we just want to be spoken well of. But, but the problem is we love to be liked by other people rather than actually loved. We don't love people. See, see people pleasing can keep you from seeing what's true in God. Let's go, John 5, 44. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another but do not seek the glory that comes from only God? Paul even talked about getting out of this approval trap. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, he says, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Man, there's good news. We're entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people. We're not trying to please people here. But we're trying to, we're trying to please, oh, okay. we're not trying to please people, but God who tests Our hearts. See, being a big kid with authority means that you can't do the job if you're searching for approval from other adults. That's what children do. And children can't do adult jobs. Children can't make decisions. Adults make decisions. Adults have opinions. Adults establish values. Adults aren't subject to the approval and disapproval of their parents. Adults are legally liable for their actions. See, see, being a grown-up has enormous freedom, but it also has responsibility. That's why Solomon in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, he says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise who has no overseer, no ruler, but prepares its fruit in the summertime. 
Now, now the overseer, the ant doesn't have a boss ant. There's no overseer, no ruler. But what it does is it prepares its fruit in the summertime because it knows if it doesn't do it in the summer, there'll be no food in the winter. There's consequences attached to it. It understands that if I'm lazy here, I'm gonna suffer the consequences over here. See, there's so many people today think, oh, well, it's, it's all good. I'll get it right later. You know, I, you know, I can engage in sin now. No, you, you don't understand. When you give yourself over to sin, you become a slave to that sin. And then you can't control your life. See, it's only Jesus who can set you free. You know, so many people, oh, well, you know, I just need to experience life. Really? Yeah, it was some time ago, I was in an in, in, in a amazing worship atmosphere. It was incredible. I was very anointed. And I suddenly got this picture of a dog that we used to own. It was this big, fat, fluffy dog. My mum used to overfeed it all the time. It had an appetite like no one else, which was always good if you didn't like what was on your table. I presented, you know, without doubt, Brussels sprouts, boom, under the table, and they were just gone in a flash. The dog would eat, eat it up. In fact, the dog grew so fat that um, its back legs broke. And, uh, and uh, in the end, we had to put it down because it was going to cost too much um, to get it fixed. Anyway, but uh, sorry all the animal lovers out there, but my dad was a farmer. <laughs> and so, so anyway, uh, in, this amid, in the middle of this anointed worship atmosphere, uh, you know, I see this dog and often because it overeats, it would throw up. And so, so I see a picture of this dog throwing up. But not just throwing up, I saw it going back to its vomit and licking it up. How many have seen that before? Cat do it, yeah, yeah. That's where it often gets furballs and different things like that. <laughs> you know, it's disgusting. I'm going, God, why are you giving me this picture? You know, I'm trying to focus on you, but you're giving me a picture of this dog. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, there's a verse about this. Took me to 2 Peter chapter 2. And it talks about a group who have known away the way of righteousness, but then got entangled in sin again. And it says, people who've known God and get entangled in sin, they don't just go back to where they were before, they end up in a worse off place. Some of you go, well, I'll just go back to where I was. No. See, here's the deal. Once you've known Jesus, you can't backslide and be happy. Because there's something inside of you that's there now. And it goes on and it gives a picture. It's like a dog returning to its vomit or a washed pig returning to the mud. Yeah, you got freedom as a believer in Jesus. But don't use that freedom to get entangled again. See, that's why you want to mess up your life? Be half-hearted in your faith. Just be casual. Don't form your own convictions. Don't come to your own conclusions. You'll stuff yourself up. That's why there's so many disillusioned Christians, even around our nation right now, because they borrowed faith from somebody else rather than have their own personal revelation of Jesus. Come on, this is a straight message. 
But it's an important message because I believe we're about to enter a time as a church where we're going to see the greatest harvest we've ever seen before. But God wants to build strength into the hearts and lives of His people. So we're not reliant on one or two or a few who can preach from a stage, but but where everybody can be mobilised into ministry. Come on, God wants to use you. He wants you to carry your own conviction. And I really believe God is raising up a people who are strong, who know God. As Daniel said, those that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. You're not called to live an average life. You're called to live a full life. And a full life comes as a result of following Him. See, God's got something big for you. The kingdom is a little bit upside down. If you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. Jesus said, if you want to live, you've got to die. If you want to increase, you've got to give it away. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, how many want to be great in the kingdom of God? That's a good thing. That's a good desire to be great in the kingdom of God. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to learn to serve. It's upside down. And so it is with, with this. You know, Jesus said, if you want, to, you want to be first, you've got to be last. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. You know, he said stuff like, if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. If you humble yourself, God will exalt you. In the kingdom, it's like you first become an adult. God gives you authority. But then you've got to choose to become a child. See, power in the kingdom is displayed by your choice. Freedom is choosing to serve. I don't have to serve, but I choose to serve. See, if you serve out of duty, out of obligation, no power. But if you take your freedom and you choose to serve, the power of God is released in that situation. How many know you need to be secure to submit? See, in submitting to leadership, you're not submitting to leadership, you're submitting to God, not leadership. See, what you've got to understand is if you're an adult in the kingdom, you understand God's more in charge of your destiny than any person. I'm not in charge. I don't govern your destiny. But yet God's given people authority and given them roles. And in submitting to leadership, you're submitting to God. Not leadership. See, it takes a free person to be able to submit. It takes a secure person who can serve, who can lay down their rights. See, too many people today, they're worried about their reputation. But we need to follow what Jesus did. He made Himself of no reputation. Now here's the deal. Your reputation is what other people think about you. It's what others say about you. Too many of us, you know, that's what we're concerned about. That's why we're so considered about what we put on our social media pages because it's all about what other people think. It's about this projected image. It's about our reputation. But it says Jesus made Himself of no reputation. See, we're we're trying to look after our reputation. But as one person said, if we look after our character, who we are when no one's looking, 
Our reputation will take care of itself. You don't need to worry about your reputation. You know, once you lose your reputation, you'll find out how much of a burden it was in the first place to carry. You know, so many people, well, what if it goes wrong? What will people think? Well, who cares what people think? God can't bless you beyond your embarrassment. And some people, oh, I might get embarrassed. Well, what are you going to lose? A bit of pride? How many know there's worth losing anyway? Because if you have pride in your heart, God's going to resist you. You know, He's going to form something against you and He will resist you. But if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. If you humble yourself, you'll access grace. It takes a strong person to humble themselves. But it's the key to releasing kingdom power. Come on, turn to your neighbour and say, I'm a big kid now. You've got to own your behaviour, own your actions, own your response. And I believe when you do that, you go to a whole nother level. See, some of you are waiting for somebody else to sort out your problems. But God's given you authority. He lives in you. Greater is He that is in you than anything in the world. It's in you. You have an anointing from the Holy One. It's in you. In you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Where, where is He? He's in you. He's in you. You have everything you need. The answer you need right now is not outside of you. The answer you need right now is in you. And you've got to stop looking to other people and start putting a demand on God. And say, God, I need to encounter you. You miss today's encounter. You'll be unprepared for tomorrow's battle. See, I really believe tonight, many of us need a fresh encounter with God. But for that to happen, you've got to push past the crowd of opinion. You've got to push past what other people think. And you've got to reach out with a desire to touch them. How about everybody stand in this place? Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.